Hello, podcast listeners. This is Daniel Friedlander, and this is the Nintendo Podcast, or LithCast, episode number 50 for Wednesday, July 8th, 2009. listeners as previously stated this is daniel friedlander and this is lithcast episode number 50 the big five zero it is the 8th of july it is wednesday it is 3 56 p.m here on the west coast of the united states um hopefully you there are some leaf blowers in the background hopefully you won't be able to hear those too well if you can well i'm sorry and if you wouldn't have been able to hear them without me having directed your attention to them well then i'm sorry for having directed your attention to them Anyway, um, uh, it's good to be back with you. Um, it's been kind of an interesting uh, month or so uh, since our, I mean, however long, it's, well, it's been longer than that since the last LithCast. Um, but at least the last month of my existence has been quite interesting. Um, of course, when I went, to, I somehow managed to go to E3. Originally, the plan was, oh yeah, I'll go to E3, I'll go to Nintendo's press conference, you know, I'll be there a few days, it's really going to be great. But, you know, it never seems that... It, so it always seems that E3 turns out a little bit worse than expected. I always love going, and it's really it really is an honor to go. I mean, one thing that amazes me about E3 is just what an epic event it is, especially this year when they've sort of managed to bring it back to its former glory. Um, I remember the last year of E3 that was really, really good was back in 2006, and that was just an amazing conference. And 2009, really... Not much of an exception. It was pretty darn good, I have to say. So I'm going to talk about that a bit, but um, just to kind of give you the the summary there, I didn't really manage to get to E3 for the Nintendo's press conference, which was terrible. It's just that it happened at a, ter- at a. It was just I got my I, I got my invite, and it was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely going to go. Well, I had RSVP'd, and I find that. Well, okay, it was, just, it was just about the worst possible day it could happen uh, to have occurred. So I didn't manage to go to Nintendo's press conference. It seemed like I did miss something because unlike the last two years I went, the announcements were actually pretty good. And, um, well, it depends, depends on who you are. I'm, to be to be fair, Microsoft and Sony weren't exactly sitting on their hands either. So um, <clears throat> that's the other thing I should mention that. That, that somewhat clear that clearing of the throat reminds me of what happened next. So I managed to go to E3 for one day. I only went the last day, which was amazing. And I'll tell you more about the last day. And I feel like I got a lot done. Um, I went there early. I got there before it opened because I knew um, I have one day to do everything I want to do. And I managed to get 
pretty much everything done. Everything Nintendo related, I managed to pretty much get it done. Had I, I really think I would have only needed an, another day. Um, and um, so, you know, I I'll live with that. It was very nice. So then I had all. I then then after E3, um, I was very busy that week, so I had to kind of catch up a bit. And then I went out of town for about two weeks, and I just got back last uh, late last week. And so I've been kind of. Uh, I was on the East Coast and uh, a little bit. I was all. I was all over. I was you know going. Um, and so what was a little bit annoying is that if you do that, you know, you're on planes, you're in cars, whatever you get sick quite easily. And so that is what I'm sort of getting over here, getting over, um, here. Um, I have a little bit of a cough, maybe it seems like it's going away. So do not worry. And of course I will try not to blast out the microphone or anything. So I think we'll be good anyway. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the story with that. Uh, I wanted to mention that, um, of course that song you just heard, um, I gotta say one thing that's amazing is how less and less relevant. Yeah, I remember back in the old days when Lithcast sort of first started, how the song would be pretty well tied in with whatever I was talking about. Uh, this recently, nah, not so much. Um, this is somewhat tied in with what we're gonna talk about a little bit. But this was the Great Sea uh, song from Legend of Zelda: Phantom Hourglass, and it's not really related at all to anything we're gonna talk about, except for that I managed to play. Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks at E3, um, and um, aside from that, though, yeah, not not really relevant. But so I just thought I'd just throw that out there. So I don't know what this. Where do we start? Oh, of course, we start with uh, talking about Lithcast stuff. So over at Lithcast.com, L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T.com, I have. I mean, I haven't added much. I mean, of course, I've added a few videos to the homepage from E3, although I haven't put up all my E3 stuff yet. I actually have a lot more E3 stuff that I really should be putting up there. And, um, you know, I haven't. The forums, as always, are an amazing place to go. Um, Lithcast.com slash forums. Um, just, we have just a great community. Uh, the quality of the posts we get are pretty high, which amazes me still. And uh, despite the sluggishness of the main site, it amazes me how the forums are bustling and I mean, you know, they're not the biggest forums in the world, but they're still going. They've got about se- we have about 73,000 posts on the forums right now. Um and uh it's always a good time. And I certainly enjoy being on the forums. They're my favorite they're my favorite forums of which I'm a member. Um probably part of it's because I get to be the boss. But at any rate, it's still a lot of fun. So that's something certainly worth checking out. Of course, the other website that I that I write for, I don't own the other website, but thehylia.com, t h e h y l i a dot com. Another another nice site. Uh, we've took we've taken ads off the site, so there are no more ads. Uh, though I wasn't responsible. I mean, I make none of the decisions regarding uh, the Hylia, and certainly the Hylia is kind of nice because it is only Zelda. So if you're someone that's mostly into Zelda games, then um, it's a great place to be. And also, it's nice because I, I'll be honest, I do update the highly a little more because it's more, it is a news, more news focused website. Um, of course, only Zelda though. Uh, the highly also has forums though. I mean, it seems that in rec- recently they've been a little bit uh, sluggish, but you know, whatever I, you know, I, I would just say that I don't run, I don't own the highly. I simply write the Zelda stuff. 
so um all right i think i've gotten all the plugs in it's not they're not meant to be plugs they're just meant to be um things you might want to check out uh the other thing i thought i might mention is of course you can email uh the podcast with any questions you might have regarding regarding nintendo and of course regarding the podcast as well or suggestions um i just think that would be nice and you could send them to um you know, I'm just going to simplify this. Just send it to, to Daniel at Lithcast.com, and then we'll just... It'll be much easier. I'm not going to give out the five email addresses we have. Um, although I, I'm tempted. There's like a, there's a certain urge in me that I'm about to say all five email addresses in under a quarter of a second. But I will refrain from doing that. So, um, I don't think we actually have any mail any mail this time, which is, which is sort of sad, I'm going to be honest. Um... Let's see, what did, was there anything? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, no, that's sad. Anyway, we can, I guess, continue with uh, the things we have to talk about. To be honest, I mean, beyond E3, Nintendo hasn't done all that much in the way of interesting stuff. Um, one thing I will say is that... Um, well, you know, let's just, let's talk about uh, E3 a bit. I will just talk and go through my E3 story. And I like, oh, one more thing actually about Lithcast. Uh, today is July 8th. Lithcast was founded on July 31st. And so Lithcast, just in case you're wondering, is going to be turning four this July 31st, which is pretty amazing for me to think. It's almost like I have a four, it's like having a four-year-old child, except, you know, different than having a four-year-old child because it's a podcast. But if you, you know what I mean, I... I just mean that it's really cool that I've been able to sort of run this. And, of course, I couldn't do it without you guys listening and um, for this much time. And the reason I say that is because although I I admit I don't update the podcast as often as I should, I probably wouldn't update it at all if I didn't know there were people downloading it and listening to it. And I feel like I really – I mean, this is one of these things that always gets me. I always think, like, well, I put a lot of hours into these other things, but what is my bread and butter, really, with Lithcast? Well, it's the podcast, and it's really the most popular part of Lithcast. So I, it's a little bit weird for me. Sometimes I wonder, well, hey, you know, Daniel, why aren't you updating the podcast since it's kind of the most important part of the like the podcast? And since whenever you say what you kind of do in relation to Nintendo, it's you're usually mentioning how you do podcasts, and you're only on episode 50, and it's been four years. Like, if you did it weekly, that would be about a year. So... Sometimes I, I, I have to sort of say, well, I mean, I'm busy, but on the other hand, I, I really ought to be doing more podcasts than I do. So, but thanks a lot, guys, for listening. I look forward to maybe I'll do another, uh, we should be doing another show because I, before July 31st, because um, first off, I'll have time. And then secondly, I think I should have time. And uh, secondly, it's going to be our birthday episode. And so... <clears throat> It would probably be a good idea maybe to do some giveaways or do some contests as we do routinely when it's Lithcast's birthday. Um, Anyway, so shall we continue? I think we should. So I wanted to talk a little bit about E3. Now, I know E3 has been a while. It was like the first week of June, and so it's a little bit funny because I'm talking about it here in the second week of July, I guess, or first week, whatever, I guess second week of July, and... um, <clears throat> and uh, and uh, so it's a little funny, but I got to say, E3 was just an amazing, amazing experience. And um, 
this year's E3 was particularly amazing, even though I didn't go to Nintendo's press conference, which in the past, I would say, has been by far the best part of every E3, at least for me. Now, you have to look at it from my perspective. I really, I mean, I love video games in general, and I have an Xbox 360, and I have a PlayStation Portable, and you know, I have non-Nintendo systems, but for me, really what I care about is Nintendo, and um, perhaps I would would say that maybe you could say that's that's, an, that's that's ignorant i mean i'm not that's not my intent but for me the thing i really care about is nintendo so e3 has been at least for the last few years largely based my opinion on it has been largely based on nintendo's press conference so last year e3 sucked it was awful in fact 2007 almost could be seen as better than 2008. Of course it couldn't be really because if you would gone to the if you judge it by the convention, 2008 even is better than oh, than 2007 which was held in an air hangar in Santa Monica. But because Nintendo I think probably had slightly better stuff in 07. Though I'm not actually sure now that I think about it. Anyway, this year's E3 was terrific. Of course I wasn't there for the press conference because it just wasn't very good timing. But I was there for the convention on Thursday, the last possible day to be there. I got there half an hour early. I was standing outside. And one thing that's really cool about E3, and I, if I, I always think that like you really could, at E3, really net. I mean, one of the nice things is, is the network, people you network with, and um, the people you get to see. So when I was going, you know, I, I went out there. And I was about to, you know, I was waiting in line to go onto the show floor. I didn't have an early access badge. I actually did in 06. I don't know how I got an early access badge. But I didn't have an early access badge. So I had to wait till 10 o'clock. But I was there half an hour early and I was waiting. And I didn't talk to this guy, but I saw him. I saw Jerry. I saw, was, no, no, not, not Jerry Perry. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Brian Crescente from Kotaku. And it's just, I, I always think, like, you know, he was right there. And I always think, you know, if, if I, 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 I built up a little more nerve as the uh, convention progressed. But I always think if I had enough, like, uh, what's the word? Um, chutzpah? I don't know, I guess. I think I'd probably be a little bit better at maybe networking with some people. Although, you know, I did meet a lot of very interesting people, and I did talk to... I, I mean, I did some things that I thought, like, well, you know what? In the, in the past, I wouldn't have been comfortable asking. and So it was, it was, it was pretty interesting, actually. Uh... I'll tell you the story. So I, I finally get get into the E3 press conference. The first thing I realized, I was talking to Mike Damiani, or uh, you might know him as TSA. Uh, he's sort of a, I mean, I always say he's a big shot. He's got, like, he's got a lot of speed, speed run records in Zelda, blah, 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 blah. He used to run the Hylia. And he now owns, or he now, I think he, I'm not sure if he sort of, he sort of owns Zentendo.com. Anyway, he was telling me the day before that I, I went there that, Oh, by far, Phantom Hourglass is the longest. Oh, sorry, not Phantom, Hour, Phantom Hourglass. Uh, by far, Zelda Spirit Tracks is the longest line at the show. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go straight to the West Hall, which is where Nintendo's located, and I'm going to just immediately just dart over to play uh, Spirit Tracks. Now, a lot of people actually have the same sort of thinking as me, but I did manage to get into a line of. It took me. It took me maybe 45 minutes, maybe, to get through the line. So, and it was the longest line that I waited in at the show. But it's a line I felt I had to be in because, first of all. It's a big title for Lithcast, and it's really a big deal for the Hylia because it's a Zelda title, and you know that's it's only Zelda. So I felt, of any title that I'm going there for, I really have to play that, um, and I did. And how it worked is that they had a demo, and um, actually, you know, before I mentioned that, 
I just tell you, I was in, I was in line and I was talking, and I was, uh, talking and I, uh, I talked to this one guy from a pot, another podcast. Um, I probably should plug his show. Uh, it's called fourplayerpodcast.com and his name was, his name was David and, um, a very, they were very cool. Uh, he was, he was, he was pretty cool. And then I remember we were, uh, both in line and we were talking to each other and, I'm like, and I see out, I see out like kind of in the distance in Nintendo's booth. I say, is, is that Bill Trinan? You know, like the guy that translates for Miyamoto and the guy that sort of talks, uh, you know, mostly he translates for Miyamoto, but he works, uh, with Nintendo for Nintendo or he's like, something I think it's, is it in, in Treehouse? I think, I think it is. Um, <clears throat> he was there and I said, Oh, it's Bill Trinan. So we both, re- we had someone, we had one of the, they, they, you're not allowed to call them booth babes. Cause I don't think you're technically allowed to have booth babes, but we had one of the booth babes save our spots line. So we talked to, talked to, talked a little bit to Bill Trinan. He had, he had to run though. It was still pretty neat to, to meet Bill Trinan. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's just, this is just amazing. Cause E3 is one of these things where you can just see these people right there. I remember back in 2006, I was in the, there was a line. Okay, how it worked is you remember the Wii line at 2006 is sort of a famous line for being extremely long, for being like four hours long. Well, I waited in that line in 06, and it wasn't. I was lucky because I think I had early access on that day, so I didn't have to wait four hours, but I had to wait probably about an hour, an hour and a half. And so how it worked is that you have this line, this big line that went outside this. There's a booth, and they have this sort of inner box within the booth, and you had to wait outside the line to get inside the box. And then once you were in the box, then you were had more lines for individual games. Well, when I went there, um. I also, you know, I, I saw George Harrison, like the Nintendo now retired George Harrison. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, it was just very interesting because I got, you know, you got to really see, uh, you, you're just up, you're up close and personal with some, with some of these Nintendo people. And a lot of, a lot of people, it's a great place to meet people also in the, um, in the, uh, video game media. Like I said, I saw Brian Crescente. Had I saw Brian Crescente a little bit later, I probably would have had more more guts to say like, "Oh, hey, Brian Crescente, you know, I, I you know, Kotaku.com, it's a great site, blah blah blah." Um, and um, I think one thing is, I always feel like if I had met any of these people, there's tens of thousands of people that go to E3, and I always feel like if I met one of these people on the street, they would be such an interesting person to talk to because they're involved in the video game industry, an industry which I find so interesting, and so I'm always thinking. I always feel like I'm passing up a big opportunity by just not talking to just someone at all times. Um, so anyway, I'm, we finally get back to the line for, to play, uh, spirit or sorry, phantom hourglass. Ah, no, it's spirit tracks. Darn it. Um, it's a good thing that the name spirit tracks is a tentative title. Otherwise I'm going to have a lot of problems. On the other hand, uh, my guess is that it actually will end up staying spirit tracks because at this point everyone has gotten used to calling it spirit tracks. So is it really going to change? I kind of doubt it. <clears throat> so, uh, I finally get to play Spirit Tracks, and Nintendo has a lot of bit, a few little interesting rules. Like I say, they have their booth babes, and you can't. I'll, I'm going to call them booth babes, and there's some that obviously aren't booth babes because they actually work for Nintendo, um, and they are. They are some. They have varying degrees of how well informed they are, and so some of them will if you're trying to film something say oh i'm sorry you know they say you can't you can't film it unless i um play it and you have my hands in the shot or oh you can but i mean i i found basically i, I basically found out 
eventually what the real story was because I asked some people who were a little better informed and um, I kind of asked around what the deal is with with filming uh, footage. And what they basically said was you have to basically make it look like it's just not a direct screen capture. So you can actually even get a picture of the system. So you just, you know, if you just zoom out a little bit to get the picture, you know, just so you can see the buttons, then you can make it look like it's not emulated. That's all they want. And so, I mean, I, my Twilight, not my Twilight Princess, my Spirit Tracks footage was so greatly compromised because I couldn't film myself playing because it just was, it's, I did play myself, film myself uh, playing um, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, another game that was revealed, well, not revealed, it was announced for the U.S., uh, it was already, it's already out in Japan um, as Mario and Luigi RPG 3. Or, um, so that one I got good footage of because after I'd found out what the actual story was. But when I was playing um, Spirit Tracks, the actual the actual deal is that I felt like I couldn't really get myself playing at the same time. I um, And so I... I just I just filmed I sort of just snuck up behind someone else playing and filmed them, but I didn't get very much very good footage. So I, I haven't put it up on Lithcast. I can put it up and put it up on the Hylia, I guess. But the footage you've seen elsewhere is going to is going to far outdo the footage that I have of Spirit Tracks. So that's it's sort of too bad, but that's how it is. And you know, one thing is I really do wish I had done this podcast closer to E three because my memory's a little bit fuzzy. Um I think I, I think I'll remember everything. I just don't know if I'll remember the order in which everything happened well. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm trying to think what else happened. So, I, okay, obviously, so I, f- I finished playing uh, Spirit Tracks. They give you a nice little feather stylus when you're done. And then I went to go play some other things. So, let me just tell you, first off, what Nintendo had announced at E3. It was kind of a surprise in some respects because they announced basically... Basically, two two new Mario games plus a translation of one Mario game, um, and that they're bringing it over to the U.S. Um, it's just that they, um, yeah. Well, anyway, um, so they have announced the release date in the U.S. and of course, also I think also in in Europe they say I think let's see I don't know, um, but in the U.S. the release date for Mario Luigi. Uh, Bowser's Inside Story, the release date is September 14th of this year, so not too much time. Uh, they also talked, of course, about Wii Sports Resort, which we saw uh, last year's E3, and they also had it playable. Um, and one thing that was kind of interesting is that with all these press conferences, they all seem to place a greater emphasis on this idea of motion control. And so one thing about you know, Microsoft showed off Project Natal, and Sony so- showed off a really interesting, very a- accurate-looking um, tech demo at their press conference that I saw. You know, I watched that for motion control. And you know, Nintendo had has show, has said that oh, we're going to improve the accuracy of the Wii using something called the Wii Motion Plus, which is an add-on that just snaps onto the bottom of the Wii. Oh, uh, sorry, I was my phone just started ringing. Anyway. Um, so I'm back. You probably didn't realize that because of the magic of pre-recorded podcasts. Anyway, uh, so Wii Sports, yes, comes out uh, in uh, in September. Or no, sorry, that was a different game. Um, comes out July 26th here in the U.S. So this month, um, 
July 24th. So Europe in Europe. So Europe gets it a little bit early. Australia gets it even earlier, July 23rd. And Japan gets it on the 20, uh, wait, 25th of June. So that's already out in Japan. Anyway, um, one thing about Wii Sports Resort is that, I mean, I, I played it. And um, <clears throat> let me just tell you first off. I just to tell you because it, it's a sequel basically to Wii Sports, which was a game that was bundled with the Wii. So you might think like, well, okay, first off, should I buy this thing? Because it's, like, it's a whole game, I imagine. I think it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's a whole game. So um, the games in Wii Sports Resort are Frisbee, Power Cruising. I'm reading this off Wikipedia. Power Cruising. What is Power Cruising? Power Cruising is like a personal watercraft. Sword fighting, table tennis, golf. Air sports, which I think must mean, does that mean like, uh, I think it must mean like the skydiving you do when you first start Wii Sports. Basketball, archery, which was probably one of the best demonstrations ever. Cycling, bowling, canoeing, and wakeboarding. So I, it was also, it was a little bit tough also to play Wii Sports. If I, if I had more time, I would have played multiple games, but I managed to play, um, I wanted to play archery. I couldn't play archery. I managed to play the sword fighting. And one thing about the Wii remote that is very nice that they that they've added with Wii Motion Plus is that if you use the Wii remote and say you're gonna like have a sword fight, you do it's like you know you swing your arm it's like generic slash and you swing your arm the other way generic slash I mean it's just nothing really much changed maybe a little bit but really nothing much changed whereas Wii Sports the actual sorry Wii Sports Resort with the Wii Motion Plus the actual sword swing that you give it actually does affect the type of slash you're going to do and uh, i really wish i could have used art could have played archery but the this was really stupid i think um the station i was using didn't have a nunchuck and so i said the booth babe said i'm sorry you know we don't have a nunchuck it's like first off why not i mean why not is they give you the option what do you want to play why how i should have just i should have brought my own nunchuck because oh i, I don't know it's, it's just that i don't know that's just that was a that was kind of a stupid limitation i mean it would have also alleviated a lot of these because everyone wanted to play archery. Um, I'm also going to admit that there was also another game that I didn't play and I don't and I don't really care to be honest. Even though the line wasn't even that long, was Wii Fit Plus. Uh, I just didn't feel a need to play Wii Fit Plus. I've ne- I don't know. I've just never thought of it as an amazing game. And. Uh, Will I get Wii Fit Plus? Probably not, but you never know. I never thought I'd get Wii Fit, and I, man- I somehow somehow Wii Fit seemed to arrive here. I forget if I ordered it or if I got it because it just somewhat recently I got the board. So anyway, Wii Fit Plus. I'm not not too excited. Once you were done playing Wii Fit, um, or sorry, Wii Sports Resort, they gave you a nice Wii Sport Resort frisbee. I have my frisbee with me. Actually, no, it's not with me. It's in, in another room. And, um, so there's that there, they give a lot of swag out. Like there was, um, I was walking through the Sony booth and they had, I think they were giving out beta keys for uncharted two. And I got a beta key. I don't have a PlayStation three just because they were, this was the weirdest thing. I thought it seemed like everyone wanted to play it, but then it also was like, they couldn't even give these things away at the Sony booth. Like they were saying, this is not trash. I mean, make sure, you know, use this. This isn't trash. You're, you're going to use it, right? I'm like, yeah, sure. And it was just really weird. Like this was, this wasn't, this wasn't, a, this wasn't a female booth, babe, by the way. This was a, this was a Sony representative. 
And this guy was, I mean, he really, this, this guy would have taken it personally if you'd thrown that out in the trash. That's all I can say. Um, so that was interesting. So I did go to the Sony booth briefly. Uh, I did also, so I played Wii, Wii Sports Resort. Oh, of course. One of the interesting things about this year's press conference is that they managed to announce, when I say announce, I mean, they managed to, technically they announced two Mario games. They announced Mario, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2, and which was, which is, you know, it's pretty cool that they're already talking about the second iteration of that game, which is already, you know, which is a pretty big game, really. Um, it's And they've announced that it's going to be released in 2010, so that's next year. Although, um... You know, so that's really cool. I think that they're already already doing that, and then they also announced, as far as Mario games, they also announced New Super Mario Brothers Wii. So many of you might remember the New Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo DS, which was actually one of the probably I mean probably one of the best DS games. And one thing that's really cool about New Super Mario sorry New Super Mother. Mar- New Super Mario Brothers Wii is that they've announced it's coming out pretty soon. They haven't announced an actual date. Both they said, but they have said that both Japan and North America will have the, a release date and have their release in quarter four of this year. And um, I played I played New Super Mario Brothers Wii. I didn't play Super Mario Galaxy two mostly because I don't think it was playable if I remember correctly. But New Super Mario Brothers Wii I did play, and it's I'll, I'll tell you it did it was it was it was pretty good. Um, it was. It was something that it really pays to play. I think with, uh, I mean, I, I played the multiplayer, so I didn't play the single player. But uh, they were very, they were, they were very cool about the way you like. You, they were. It was one of the least stressful things to play because they were like, oh, you can play. You know, it's, it has up to four players. So, you know, oh, if you just want, if you want to keep playing, you know, we'll just have another party of three people to come and join you. They were really, they were very cool about that, and um, <clears throat> so that was that was nice. Uh, the other thing is that it, the controls of this game, apparently, before I get into the controls, actually, this is not a port, which is interesting. It is actually all new levels, uh, completely different from the Nintendo DS game. And so that, that I think, is really nice. The other thing is that um, the game itself is... A, I mean, it uses... It doesn't really use the motion control. I mean, it does for a, little, a few little cutesy things like to get yourself out of bubbles or whatever, but it doesn't really use the motion control very much. Uh, I think I, I think if I remember correctly, I was held, hold, you held it horizontally, so it was sort of like a little, so it was like almost like an NES controller. Um, <clears throat> the the game felt a little bit. This was this, this I forget I forget who used this word, but they really were right, and that this described the gameplay very well. It felt very floaty. Uh, the jumps seem to take a long. It almost feels like you're in kind of like zero gravity when you're playing. I don't know why why it felt that way. That's just that just seemed to be the way that the game kind of played. So I don't have any super in-depth review, although I, I really probably should just look over my video of everything that I played just so I can get a better idea of what I, what I actually played. Um, while I was actually playing New Super Mario Bros. Wii, or shortly after, it amazes me how many, like, what sorts of people that I, I saw. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I... I, I actually the person that I mean I was by myself playing Super Mario Brothers New Super Mario Brothers Wii and so I I played with someone from from Nintendo and he was I think his, his name was 
Andy something. So of course, when, whenever these people see, I, I, remember, I remember being uh, a member of Nintendo's insider forums. And so at every chance I got, when I saw someone with like a name tag of like Andy or, um, I mean, that's, that's the best example I could think of. I always said like, are you, are you NOA Andy? And a lot of times, a lot of times they knew who I was talking about. They said, no, no, you know, he's in, he's in marketing. He's in New York. So I thought, oh, darn it. It's just, I don't know. It would have been neat to meet one of the, uh, the, um, the insider forum guys, but whatever. And I could, maybe I, I was thinking maybe I could have asked them about why the, the forums were closed. That was actually sort of my hope, but I, I didn't really meet anyone that was associated with the old insider forums. No, not anymore. All right, Lithcast listeners, I swear that is the last interruption. Um, that last interruption set me back a few hours. So once again, we have another Lithcast where um, I have a big hour, well, few hour gap between it. But that's all right. I'm back and I'm ready to continue Lithcast. I'm not quite sure what I was talking about, but I think I was talking about New Super Mario Brothers. Wii. just saying I played it. It is kind of nice. All new levels. And it's great to see that we're uh, really, I mean, the other thing is that Nintendo had really shown off three Mario games. I mean, we'll, we'll say two, but it's sort of three because, I mean, on one hand, they, um, they showed off, I mean, I don't, it's whether or not you want to count uh, the Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story as a Mario game that's new because we already kind of knew that was coming out. We didn't know when it was coming out, but we knew it was uh, coming out at some point. And so... Uh, it figures out that it figures that we would see it here now in English, um, but you know to see it as soon as we do. And then of course New Super Mario Brothers Wii, and then of course Mario Galaxy Two. That one being the most far off, which is not surprising considering probably between the three games it is the most difficult to um, to program for and probably the most in depth. Uh, the other thing is um, I just want to say one other thing about Mario and Luigi Three or. I'll, uh, sorry, Mario and Luigi RPG three is what they call it in Japan, but in the United States, it's Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. About that game, I mean, I will definitely be getting. It. I really do love this franchise, uh, the, the RPGs. But I gotta say, this is something, and <clears throat> I'm going to sound like a noob here, but yeah, I do that a lot. I, I gotta say, I think those games are pretty hard. I mean, for a Mario game, anyway. I mean, of course, you could say, well, Mario sixty four, I me mean, to get every little star. I mean, it's not not easy either and I'll admit and I'll say that but one thing about Mario and Luigi RPG 3 is just I don't know somehow it's a different it's a hard it's a type of difficulty you're not really used to in a Mario game which is part of the reason I like it and I also think it has some of the best music too um I, I don't know I just it's very it's varied I mean I remember there was a song in uh, I'll try to let's see if I can try to play it here uh, I'll search for it um there was a song um for I think it was Mario Luigi uh, Superstar. No, no, Mario Luigi Partners in Time, and like it, it was a song, but it sounded. I mean, it sounded like klezmer music. Now, for those of you who don't know, I mean, this is not an important thing for me, but it's just um, for those of you who don't know, like I, I am, I am, I am Jewish, and so uh, and you're a European European Jew. They're different different types. But anyways, uh, so an Ashkenazi. And what's really interesting is that they have there's a type of music probably called called klezmer music, and you've probably heard it before. And um, it's a certain style, you know, it's got a certain beat to it. And I just thought it was really funny because I heard this one song uh, in Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, and I thought there's klezmer music in this. So it's just a very varied, it's just very, this is really varied the amount of uh, music. So actually, I found it here. Um, it was from the Thwomp Volcanoes from the exterior. I think this is it uh, right here. Let's listen, shall we?
So like I said, okay, so from there it kind of repeats and it's the same sort of thing. But one thing that really just amazed me about this franchise is just, for one thing, it's a lot of fun. Secondly, I mean, the storyline, <laughs> I mean, it's a Mario game, right? Storyline is not highly emphasized. But in addition to that, just the diversity and the different types of music that you get out of these games, it just astounds me. I mean, just because, I, I don't know, it's, I don't know exactly who, I wonder who the composer is. Well, that, um, let me see here. Yeah, who is the composer? I really should find out. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll figure it out. I, um, uh, so to be honest, I mean, I'm actually more excited about that game really more than um, Mar Super Mario Bro New Super Mario Brothers Wii. And something else actually that I would like to just mention is, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about it later when we talk about Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which wasn't really discussed at E3. In fact, it wasn't discussed at E3. I can tell you that. Um, but one thing I will say about this is that it's always been sort of a uh, something that I've been a little bit I don't want to say perturbed or annoyed about but one thing that I've always noticed about Wii games and DS games is that you know why do they choose to go on whatever platform they choose to go on because for example you take a game like Animal Crossing uh, City Folk and Animal Crossing Wild World the graphics on the Wii version of it are not that much better than the version on the DS. And I say version because they're practically the same game. But since the visuals aren't drastically different, I ask, why would you make a game then like that for the Wii at all? I mean, sure, you can have the Wii Speak, but you already have a built-in Wii Speak in the DS. And why take away the portability when, frankly, the visuals provided in the DS are plenty good to power the game? And since I think a game like Animal Crossing requires so much tender love and care, where you have to kind of always, you kind of always want to kind of be in the loop, it really makes sense that you would make it a portable game so that you don't have to occupy a television while you're doing it. So I look at games like New Super Mario Brothers, and it worked out really, really well on the DS. And I just think, you know, why would you bring that over to the Wii? What advantage does it have? I mean, the only advantage I can see really is just if there are people that own a Wii and don't own a DS, which I can believe is a possibility, even though technically the DS has sold more than the Wii. But I always have to ask myself, why would someone bring over a title like New Super Mario Brothers Wii and put it on the DS when they're not adding any graphical um, overhaul and they're not doing anything that is really only provided by the Wii and not by the DS? So, and this is a general feeling about things Nintendo does. Um, there are certain things that um, that uh, Nintendo. Uh, what's another great? So there's got to be another good example of this. Um, it would have to be a title that's been both on the Wii and the DS, or I mean, or on N64, you know, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> and also, I, I always feel. Well, actually, we'll talk a little bit more about this next point when I get to Pokemon Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver. So anyway, it's um, when I see these, what they call these 2.5D games, I always think, well, you know, the DS is capable of doing that. Why not just save us the trouble and make it portable? I guess you can. You could also make the argument it's a bigger screen, and but you can't. You can't say that Wii has better multiplayer support than the DS, really. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can say that. So anyway. There is, you know, that, that's my opinion. Though, believe me, I'm still going to be getting this game uh, for the Wii. So, that's not really an issue. Um, 
as far as Super Mario Galaxy 2, we saw a trailer. I believe we yes, we saw a trailer. And it it's nice. Um, it doesn't show us too much that's new. Um, so I, I have to say, well, you know, that's terrific. Oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> the, main, the main thing we've seen actually in this new trailer, and of course this is actually kind of a big thing to overlook, um, is that they've sort of brought, they've brought back Yoshi in this game, which is nice. I mean, I got to say, I was never, I mean, it's not that I wasn't a big Yoshi fan. I don't think he added all that. I mean, well, maybe he added something, but I just think that with these, all these suits that Mario had, like the B suit, it just seemed to me that like Yoshi would just be something that seems to me like he might just be kind of clunky in the game. Though, obviously, I have not played the game at all, and I don't think anyone has. And they, they showed a few, n you know, new levels. And, of course, a game like Super Mario Galaxy, which was kind of a big uh, success, it's always good, also, but really, more than even the games, the actual games themselves. If you had asked me, by the way, I never would have guessed that they would show off three Mario games. Fine, call it two Mario games in one translation, but three Mario games nonetheless. I never would have guessed that. And actually, I saw I saw to mention that to Charles Martinet a little bit. Because, first of all, Nintendo seemed to be going in a more casual direction. And I think, if anything, regardless of what the games actually are, it's really most important that Nintendo seems to be indicating that, well, you know, we, we really... I mean, I don't think they wanted to say this. But I think they're sort of saying, well, look, we, we, we goofed up. We should, have, we should have had some more core titles. Because... And they didn't say this. This has always been my theory, is that Nintendo is one of the very lucky companies of the world in that they have one of the most loyal fan bases out there. And that all of you guys listening right now to LithCast are among the most loyal fans. And it doesn't mean that you guys are stupid or anything. Nintendo makes genuinely good stuff. I see, I've only seen this really with another company, and the, that other company is Apple. But certainly you don't see this level of loyalty with, um, with uh, even... You know, with, with um, I mean, this is the sort of loyalty you see, like with Coca-Cola, and I mean, you don't, you just don't see this kind of loyalty where, with the products, very much. I've seen it with Apple, I guess I would say that, but you just don't see it everywhere. And so one thing is that I look at Nintendo and I think, you know, they're making all these games and they're a lot of them are casual, and not attracting the audience that they have built up over the years. I mean, this is a difficult, I mean, it's difficult to get that, to get that loyal fan base because it comes from repeated delivery of quality product and an overall attitude that isn't kind of, I mean, that isn't like jerky and isn't, you know, that you come off as a likable company. I mean, you certainly don't see this sort of, we're actually having sort of this debate on the LithCast forums. You certainly don't see this sort of affinity for a company with wireless carriers I mean, they'll penalize you if you cancel your two-year contract or whatever. And I, it's understandable because, look, they paid for part of your phone. But just, you know what I mean. There's a certain there's a certain feeling of, hey, I don't like that. I don't like that guy when it comes to your when it comes to your wireless carrier. And Nintendo is amazing because they have such loyalty. And I think what is amazing is that when they were going after these casual gamers. To me, I look at it and I say, all of you guys in LithCast, you guys are some of the most amazing uh, fans of my show. And also, but of course, also, but what I'm saying is of Nintendo. And they were not, I'm not saying they were throwing it away. It's tough to also lose fans that good. But I think they were on the road of losing the fans that made them who they are. There is no doubt in my mind that despite the fact that Nintendo's always had the most popular handhelds, 
it would have been very difficult for them to have survived the GameCube era without all of you. And I'm not saying that you guys bought it because you're stupid. What I'm saying is that you guys bought it because, well, first off, there were genuinely good titles on the GameCube. Let's, Super Smash Bros. Melee was a, an amazing game. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine, I liked it. You don't, you don't, maybe you didn't have to like it. <clears throat> there were some genuinely great titles on the, um, on the GameCube. The fact is, the general consensus at the time was, <laughs> you're playing that Nintendo console. Well, that is pretty sissy of you with that purple lunchbox. I mean, you know, you've heard it all before. And my guess is Nintendo would not have survived that era of the GameCube without you. And so Nintendo, I think, needs to remember that even if they have, they built up this casual audience, um, like that, you know, that loves, that you know, uses Wii Fit, this is not the audience that says, as soon as a new console comes out, I've got to have it. I mean, this isn't the, this isn't the audience that says, you know, Ninten- you know, I love Nintendo. I mean, this is this is the company that says, this is these are the fans that say, well, you know, for right now, I you know, I I think that the Wii Fit is a very nice way to lose weight, blah 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 blah. But if you but you can bet if Nintendo had, let's just say, all of Nintendo's core fans went away. And they were left only with their casual fans. Granted, that would be a good chunk of market share. And let's say Nintendo screws up. Let's say they make something that even those guys don't want. Um, Or heck, let's say that they make something that maybe is a little too core for the the casual audience. Well, then I would say, what's going to happen? Is there any loyalty with those people? I, I don't see it. Because like I say, it takes years to build up the kind of loyalty Nintendo has f- from its fans. And I don't think they should have thrown it away. And I think they're realizing it. And I think they've woken up to the reality. And I think, granted, these are all mostly Mario games. So if you don't like Mario, you're not going to like Nintendo's announcements. However, actually, there was, of course, I should mention another announcement. Though we didn't get to see it at E3, another announcement that was very interesting is Nintendo is going to be teaming up with a small Japanese developer called Team Ninja uh, and offering for a, a next installment in the Metroid series. It's going to be called Metroid Other M, which is kind of interesting. I guess I can't really say I like the name. That's that's what, That along with Spirit Tracks are both names I think probably ought to be changed if at all possible. And um, I would try not to talk too much about Other M so that the name doesn't stick. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. It's it. I'm not sure if it will have an M rating. It does seem to people that it will be a little bit more... Um, a little bit more mature, but I'm not sure if it will gain anything more than a T. I'm, I really don't know. Um, nothing in the trailer to me suggested that it needed to have anything more than T. But uh, you know what? Maybe because that that one shot Samus takes at the at the head of one of her enemies that was that was pretty nice. It just kind of gets him in the headlock and blasts him right there. Uh, it was a very it was very interesting. This is one of those. This, this is one of these things that makes me regret not being there because. These are one of these things where, like, there's a chill that goes over the audience, and everyone's quiet, and, you know, you want, you know, you don't move a muscle, and you think there's there's something big coming. And then this trailer, and it's, just, it's, and it's insane, this trailer. I mean, for a Nintendo event, I mean, if you came out of this, if you were, like, say someone who was at the last event, and you saw this, You'd be thinking, well, we are not in Kansas anymore, because 
last year's was all rosy colored soccer mom themed and just generally Nintendo of America staff members dancing around pretending to have fun with Wii music. But this year, this was about death. And this, I mean, this is like Metroid Other M is, while I won't say going to be the game of the year or anything when it comes out, I, we don't really know what year it's going to come. Actually, wait, do we? Um, I'll find that out. Um, even though we don't really know that, what can be said is that this game is... Oh, actually, they did say it was going to be 2010. This game is going to be a little bit different from <clears throat> probably other Metroids, particularly because it's going to be offering up the... It seems like it's going to be having some... Um, <clears throat> it looks... I'm not really sure how you would describe it. One thing I would, I would, I would suggest looking at the trailer. Well, you know what? We here at Lithcast have a tradition, and to be honest, I'm not sure. I, I just could just imagine how cool it would have been to have been there in the audience watching this. Um, you know, it's too bad I wasn't there. I'll try to be there next year if they invite me because I did RCPS and didn't show up. So I hope I'm not blacklisted for that. Um, really hope I'm not blacklisted for that because that is one of the best events uh, every year. And I've managed to make it every year except last year, and I still made it to the conference. But uh, anyway, Metroid Other M is a very interesting announcement. But what I was going to say, though, of course Mario can be thrown into this category as well, is that it's really great to see that, at least as a gesture, Nintendo is seem, seeming, to get, get their, seeming to get be getting their act together uh, when it comes to this hardcore versus casual gamer thing. And it's not that the casual gamers shouldn't be satisfied with what they're doing, but to be honest, I think that Nintendo really needs to remember that this audience this audience will keep them afloat no matter what. It's just it's sort of like let's see if I could use an if I could use a good analogy for this. I would say it's sort of like um um Well, I can't come up with a great analogy for it, but it's almost it's almost like if you were it's almost like it's, it's like sort of an analogy where you have a safety net and you're not ma- really maintaining your safety net very well, and um, because you're so fixated on something else, it's what they what Reggie calls the uh, the incremental audience. And the incremental audience is important, but let's be honest, the fans of Nintendo are just such amazing one of a kind fans that it's just so difficult to it'd be so difficult to rebuild that if Nintendo managed to somehow lose their immense fan base. Um. <clears throat> so, anyway, so that was what I, what I'd mentioned. I, I think I mentioned that I was coming back from the South Hall, and I, you know, I saw Peter Moore on the way there. And so I, I took a look again, and I went back to Nintendo's booth. See, I started taking breaks. I, I mean, I went back to I went back to Nintendo's booth maybe three or four times. Um, the entire time, I mean, I I was seeing various people. I saw like what's his name, Daniel Kaiser from Game Trailers, or was it Spike? I don't know. One one of those. Or maybe 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 both, uh, and uh, who else did I see? Um, interestingly enough, I went back to Nintendo's booth, and I played. I pl- this wasn't actually at Nintendo's booth. This was at 
I, okay, I should probably tell you what I one thing I was very impressed with at Nintendo's booth. It wasn't at Nintendo. It was at Nintendo's booth, but I didn't play it there because it was much. It's usually better when it's a third party game to go and play it at their booth because first off, they're gonna have people that are more knowledgeable about it generally, and then secondly, there's just more availability of the game, and that was definitely the case with this game that I saw. And it was great that it had more availability because the demo was a very long demo, and it was a game called Muramasa: The Demon Blade. And in my and there's a video of it of it up at lithcast.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, there was, it, it was just to me it was the coolest game of E3. Um, it was made. It's made by a third party called uh, Ignition Software. And like I said, I have a video of myself going to play it on lithcast.com. So you know I was really there. And uh, I actually saw, I saw the guys from ScrewAttack.com there. I mean, I think ScrewAttack.com is hilarious. I mean, you might not think so because you think, how can how can DS Cubed think that ScrewAttack.com is hilarious? He hardly ever swears. I mean, that I don't. And uh, you know, he, that must, he must find that vulgar. But no, I, I it's they're really funny though they, over there. Um, and uh, I saw them there. I didn't say anything because they're very intimidating with their. They've got big cameras. I mean, one thing I was gonna quick aside here. One thing about E3 that I think I could always do to make myself taken more to get myself taken more seriously. If you look at me at E3, which I doubt you, and many, very many of you did, if you saw me at E3, I'm one guy. I'm walking around with I've got a backpack, I've got a camera, I've got my badge, I've got a video camcorder. I hardly use my camera at all. I really use my camcorder mostly. I have my camcorder. Yeah, it's an HD camcorder. Yeah, I've also got a, I've also got a nice a, some, a decent mic hook up hooked up to it. But all in all, I mean, I'm just some guy. I'm one person. I can't. I don't have a crew. I don't have a nice light on my camera. I'm not going to spend 500 bucks for an LED uh, illumination on my <clears throat> on my camcorder. So I was thinking, you know, one thing you could always do is just have you just pay someone just to follow you around, and you just get a rent a really big camera. It doesn't have to be a good camera. It can be an old camera for all it for all that for all. You know, it doesn't even have to have tape in it. You just have someone follow you around with a really big camera, and people take you seriously. It just amazes me. Um, what people do for you. I, I remember the same guy that uh, I, I had asked somebody at Nintendo's booth if they would be willing to talk to me a little bit about Phantom Hourglass. And this person said, well, you know, we can direct you direct you over to our Golan, Har- Golan Harris uh, media desk and maybe they can get you, get you in touch with a PR contact who can talk to you about it. But when this other guy I saw a few hours later when I came back to Nintendo's booth, went there with a big camera. He had a nice camera. I mean, he didn't have an appointment. He asked the same guy. That same guy sang like a canary and was just going on and on talking about all the specifics of the game. And the guy played like, played, played dumb. He played, when I, when I asked him, he's like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm just a booth babe. Like, yeah, right. You're, you're not a booth babe. I can see because, yeah, you're a man. And I, it's just funny because I think you just get so much more respect when you have a big camera. So anyway, back to Muramasa the Demon Blade. It's a game for the Wii only, but there really isn't any aspect of motion control incorporated into, into the game, so it really could be for any system. One other example, by the way, of a game that probably could be for the DS, but on the other hand, this one I can sort of see the value of bringing it to the Wii because, first of all, the game itself looks gorgeous one of the most impressive things about the game is are the visuals and i don't mean visuals in the sense that like like the conduit uses visuals or like red steel 2 or super mario galaxy use visuals it's not visuals like it's got a lot of graphical power i mean the thing in the case of the conduit you look at it and they're using this quantum 3 engine developed by high voltage software it's not like that it's not they can push pixels or push polygons it's this it's just based on japanese woodblock painting which is um, 
you know, my, my family sort of been big on that art style. So I've sort of seen a lot of these paintings and it doesn't look that much like Japanese woodblock prints, but it, it, it's based on it and it's just, it's two dimensional or maybe it's 2.5 D. I mean, what do you, I don't know what you call it, but you're, it's a, you're a, well, basically the, <clears throat> the sort of basic storyline, if I remember correctly, is that there's, you're, you can sort of play as these two ninjas. There's one, there's one with a much simpler name to pronounce. And then of course the one with the really hard name to pronounce, I can remember it's like Momo Hime and she's like, and she's the female ninja. So of course I can remember the more difficult name. Anyway, you uh, sort of go around and you try to collect these demon blades. And there's hundreds of them, I think. Um, and they each have, they're each like, they're each different. They each have different powers and you fight with them and they have a certain durability. I mean, it's just, it's a really fun game because it just combines all these crazy combos. I really do suggest by the way, that you take a look and I'll look to it, link to it in the show notes. Um, uh, I'm also going to, of course, link to my Lithcast video, but I would also recommend looking at uh, <clears throat> Game Trailer's uh, preview because I was talking to Mike Damiani at TSA about this game and how I thought it was really the best thing I had played at E3. I mean, and uh, though I was impressed with Spirit Tracks a little, and I liked the idea of controlling the Phantoms, I think it really made it. I should I should talk about that, but I think it really made the game much much better and much much easier. These phantoms are incorporate a really nice element. It's almost like using the command melody in Wind Waker, but it's a little bit more. You feel a little more all powerful because these phantoms can kind of do anything. Anyway, um, so so what what I was going to say was that with Muramasa, Mike Damiani, I was talking to him, and he said, I said, if you ever played, he's like, did I play? Did I? Did I play it? I did. I did the. I did the preview for it on GameTrailers.com, and I said, "Oh, well, okay then." So I watched. It It was a very good preview. He didn't voice it or anything, but apparently he captured the footage and he wrote the script, which was uh, which was good. I mean, I just it's a very good overview of what it's about. One thing that was kind of nice, and they they recently said in a developer interview um, that they weren't going to change this. I didn't know that this was even something that they were considering changing, um, but I think this is something that made the game feel a lot more authentic. Was that there were there were English, um, there were English, there was English text, you know, to, for the players to communicate with each other, but there was also Japanese dialogue. Like apparently they were saying, I guess, the same thing in Japanese, which to me, which to me made it sound re- made it, it sounded cool. So I, I don't think they should change it, and I doesn't sound like they have plans to change it either. Um, so that's that's good. And, um, so I was, I was glad to hear that, uh, that, um, they wouldn't be changing. Okay. Uh, one, now since I mentioned Zelda a little bit earlier, uh, Phantom Hourglass, since I am, I do sort of write for the Hylia, I probably should have talked a little bit more about what I meant when I said it was, I liked it a little better maybe than Phantom Hourglass. Now, granted, Fan Hourglass, I've actually played as a full game, whereas Spirit Tracks, I've only played the demo. Uh, the demo comprised of, you could, you had, uh, now I have to remember, there was um, one <clears throat> where you go through a dungeon, one where you fight a boss, and one where you get to ride the choo-choo train. So, I actually was lucky enough to get away with doing all three. Uh, I didn't finish all of them. Where it's like, the, like the boss, I said, okay, you know what, after getting two shots on him, I don't want to keep people waiting. I'll just leave. I'll just quit this demo. I'll just reset the DS and I'll go and play the other, the other one. And with the train, it's like okay, well, I'm almost at the end. I'll 
where I'm I'm getting a little bored with the train. The train was one I did last because to be honest, it was one I was least excited about. The dungeon was the I think in my opinion the best one. The bosses were kind of uninspired. I mean, one thing about Zelda bosses is that I mean, while some of the battles can be pretty epic, the formula for defeating a boss is usually pretty predictable with depending on what item you get. And since the way they structure this boss battle is that you find this item right before it's the um now now I can't now I can't remember any of these names. Uh it it's this item, it's like this it's a I wanted to why do I keep thinking Deku Leaf? It's some, I think it was like that. Um but it's a new it's a new item and you you find it like right before you go to the boss. So that made it really obvious. But of course you know the way Zelda is usually the item you find in that dungeon is the one you use on the boss. So there was that and then there was also the um the train, which was interesting. I I couldn't really figure out the way the switches kind of worked on the tracks, which was kind of bad because I kept kind of messing myself up and not going the right way. But uh, overall, the train is an interesting way to do it. I got to say, the way the train kind of works is it seems like while there were no, I mean, I don't know, there were no real ways in this demo to walk alongside like the tracks. It seems then, I guess, that the train sort of takes the place of the boat, um, Linebeck's ship or whatever, and it seems that it <clears throat> makes it more like, more, more, um, more like a hub, not a hub system, more of a, uh, of, okay, I just want to go here. But it's not even that simple because, like I said, you have to direct switches. You have to switch. You have to switch directions of, on the tracks. So you do have some level of control over where you're going on the um, on the train tracks. But uh, certainly, of course, yeah, certainly it's not you can you can you can go anywhere like you can on a boat. Um, but we haven't really we don't really know if you can walk around there or not. I don't believe so. Uh, and then the next thing is the boss battle. Like I said, un- sort of uninspired. The dungeon was really I, something I liked a lot because of the incorp- because of the way they incorporated those phantoms. Um, they are sort of like statues that you kind that you control, and they're very they're really they can really uh, kind of plow through anything, and they can take molten lava, and so you know controlling them, you think you know, you're all powerful sort of, and uh, you know I think. I always just have said, and no one's really ever challenged me on this, so I'll keep saying it. I think that even if they if they just had Phantom Hourglass minus uh, Temple of the Ocean King, I think they would actually have a pretty good game without having to do very much work. Because this hub system, it was such an annoying place to keep going to. I mean, I hated going to that temple. That is what discouraged... I mean, that was the biggest thing that just... I mean, I just... I would just say... I don't really want to continue this game because I don't want to go back to that stupid temple. And I just felt like, yeah, I have more, I have more sand in the Phantom Hourglass. It'll be easier. It'll be less of a pain. I mean, but it won't be like that. But the thing is, it won't be less of a pain. It'll still be easier, but it won't be less of a pain. So I just, I just have to say, it's not that I didn't like Phantom Hourglass. It's not like it's my least favorite Zelda. It's just that I thought certainly it was it could have been better without the temple of the ocean king and i certainly don't think that it follows the tradition that sequels are better than the original because if you consider wind waker to be the original i much preferred wind waker 
And I think I'm probably not the only one there. So, <clears throat> uh, so that, that's so that's sort of the deal with Zelda Spirit Tracks. But this game Muramasa, okay, now I keep, I keep switching. Uh, but Muramasa, in case you're wondering what's going to be available, because I think it's kind of I mean, it's only it's only it's Wii only, by the way. I mean, this is one thing I don't, almost don't get. I I just don't see why it needs to be on the Wii. Although my guess is that I mean is that uh, it is probably because they didn't have a lot of money. To, they didn't want to have a lot. They didn't want to throw a lot of money at it, and they figured, well, what's the cheapest development platform? Oh, and it also happens to have the biggest installed base. Let's use the Wii. Uh, in the U.S., U.S. is September 8th, 2009. It is actually already out in Japan. Uh, it came out, it came out April 9th. So actually... Um, it was already out during E3, and it's published by uh, Marvelous Entertainment, who you've probably heard of, in Japan, but here in the U.S., Ignition Entertainment in Europe, it's Rising Star Games. Um, the European release date, and then we have a lot of European listeners, is winter of this year, so it won't be much later than the North American date, I guess. And since it's winter 2009, since there's really only one winter month in 2009, that would be December. I guess that means somewhere between December 21st and December 31st. So I guess at least about a 10-day window, if you think about it. Um, uh, so, I would just say that the game really looks very nice. I mean, it's just one of these best, one of the most beautifully designed games that I you can you've seen recently. And actually, the, the same guys that made this are the guys that also made the game. I think I, I remember Arvid, I think it was Arvider, uh, and he hosts uh, Triple Entente Radio, and he he the game sorry the game's actually developed by Vanillaware, which is the same company that made I think Odin Sphere, which is a game that yeah for the PlayStation Two that I know he is really a big fan of, and it sort of has a nice it sort of has a cult following, and it's I haven't played it I had gotten rid of my PS Two before I had managed to play it, so. Um, but I, I, you always hear about it being a, a very good game. It, d- it didn't sell very well. I am hoping Muramasa won't be like that because really it is a very, very nice game. And one thing is it makes you sort of feel powerful because you get all these great combos and a lot of really fast gameplay, um, but a lot of really nice artwork too. And um, it's, sing- I mean, it's it's not a, uh, it's certainly not a multiplayer game. It certainly isn't going to have everything that uh, it's. It's not the full uh, shebang, but it's. It is really a very nice game, and probably my the fa- my favorite game that I saw at E3 um, that I got to play anyway. Because of course, with one day you don't get to play everything. One other thing is, I remember when I was at Nintendo's booth after I was done playing Muramasa, I was walking around and um, <clears throat> and I just and I was walking by uh, who's is that Electronic Arts their booth and they were showing off DJ Hero a lot. I mean a lot. And uh <clears throat> they were they were showing that and I noticed there's this kind of, there's kind of this guy. It was it was pretty tall. And he was walking around but he looked kinda of like he almost looked suspicious. He had a backpack. He was walking around like kind of looking around but just then it just was it just struck me as a very weird person. So one thing about E three that you get very good at 
is sort of stealth looking at people's name tags. I know I'm not the only person that does this, so don't think I'm weird because everybody does this. Everyone's always looking at people's name tags, particularly if the person looks of interest or looks weird in some way. And uh, it also depends on what you're kind of what kind of people you're looking to meet. So, for example, media badges are um, are black badges, and those are so you kind of look and they kind of have like a a little black bar at the bottom. So you kind of if you, you know if you're someone who's looking to make connections in the media with the media people, you kind of look around for black bars in the bottom of the badges. If you're if you want the, the sort of the least prestigious ones are the Okay, I'm going to screw this up here. I believe are the green badges, which means that exhibits only. Like, as if you've kind of, like, you're not allowed to go to any of the media stuff. I mean, you, you just have access to a limited part of the show floor. And then you have people with red badges, which means you are guests of a company. And then you have people with, like, um, I'm sure there are other ones. But those, those are the ones I remember. It changes year to year. Um, <clears throat> so, I saw this guy... I wasn't really looking at his badge color because I had no idea who this person could possibly be. And he was, um, and it said on his badge, it said Kurt Schilling. And I thought, oh, you mean like the baseball player, right? And I thought, well, you know what, why would he be here at E3? I mean, I, I, I why, you know, why? Um, and he's just walking, I mean, I'm, I'm, he's standing there at the DJ Hero, um, demo and I'm right there. This is creepy. This is part of the reason why I don't, why I, I, I mean, it's a little creepy at e, I mean, well, whatever, E3 can be a little creepy. Um, so, and then I see, I look at down, because after, after you have your name, it shows also what company you're from. So, like, mine says Daniel Friedlander, lithcast.com, comma, thehylia.com. So, it looks to see, like, where you're from. And it said something like, it was a name, it was a name, it was like 48 Game Studios, or I forget what the number was. It was some number. But apparently it was his, and I looked. Then of course, iPhone is great. I looked up <clears throat> on the iPhone, like what does Kurt Schilling look like, and then also what is it? And apparently his yeah, that was actually his number. It was like forty. I don't know. It wasn't forty-eight, but I'll, I, I could get it someplace. Um, um, let's see if I can figure it out here. No, can't submit. I'll, I'll figure it out later. Um, but he, you know, he's a famous pitcher, and he's he's retired now. But I just apparently he's developing games, which is interesting, and is um, big on uh, philanthropic work. I didn't talk to him. I just thought it was it was just interesting that he was there. Uh, Kurt Schilling. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not not that Kurt Schilling ever played for any of the teams I really liked. It's just that. It was interesting that he was there. I mean, you can sort of tell because he was looking like someone's going to see him or someone's going to notice. I don't know. Anyway, so I thought I'd just mention that. Not that it really matters at all. And then um, I also this is something. This is one of these few times where like I did sort of muster up some courage and I sort of started looking around the show floor and I said, "Well, okay, I wonder <clears throat> what's over here." And Nintendo has a part of their booth towards the back dedicated towards meeting rooms. I tried looking around, you know, maybe standing around towards the the exits of the rooms near one of the hallways to see if I could see someone like Miyamoto or, you know, someone getting out of a meeting uh, with a, with perhaps a reporter or, or whatever. And I didn't see anyone really interesting. Um, the biggest Nintendo celebrity I saw that that day, well, I guess was Charles Martinet or, or Bill Trinan. And um, so I didn't see anyone there. But I did end up 
I went I went outside the West Hall, and outside the West Hall there is an escalator, and the escalator leads upstairs. And I thought, okay, wonder what this does. Well, so I I went up this escalator. Actually, I'd done this actually earlier. Excuse, I should backtrack. This actually is before I went back to Nintendo's booth. And what's interesting about this escalator is it's for specifically for media meeting room. It's like for meeting rooms. And so conveniently enough, I didn't know I had registered for this. They said the only people that are allowed to be up here are people representing companies and people in the and media people because they figure that well, okay, if you're in the media, you might have you might have an interview, and if you're a corporate representative, well, you might be going back to your company's um, booth or your company's like little secret headquarters. So I went up because I was you know I had a media badge, and so I went up and they let me through. And uh, there's all these rooms. There were meeting rooms. Uh, Sony had a few uh, towards the right. And then as I looked left, I saw, after, after just getting off the escalator, I saw that IGN had a meeting room there. Now, GameSpot and IGN both do coverage, and they all do coverage in different ways. Like, G4 has coverage. But they sort of do theirs live on over E3, like in the South. I think it's in the South Hall. Uh, and GameSpot has a full-on booth in the West Hall. I mean, this must cost them so much to do. Um... Anyway, they've got they've got people working working hard inside the GameSpot booth. They've got they're showing off. Uh, they're doing a lot. They're doing like live shows twenty four not twenty four hours, but as long as the conference is going on, right there in the booth. Uh, so they are really probably spending a lot of money on this uh, convention. But IGN, sort of out of the way in only this private meeting area, probably just as well because they give their reporters and their writers um, more peace and quiet kind of out of the way and they're just you know plugging away and i looked in just to see if i could see matt cosmosina because i wasn't sure if that was him earlier so i thought oh i wonder if I, if I see a guy with crutches and it's matt cosmosina then maybe i'll know it was him so uh well i hope no one who like i'm actually referencing in this podcast ever listens to this podcast because if i if they do i'm gonna i i am i'm dead so i i then go and i walk down and i thought nintendo must have some meeting rooms around here but i didn't see any Oh, when actually uh, Valve had their meeting rooms, and I kind of looked into Valve's room, but they was kind of they made it like so it was kind of difficult to see in there. Uh, so I went into I looked looked I peered inside Valve's. You kind of like peek in through the door. I, I peeked inside Valve's uh, meeting room, and then I walked down. I mean, and I thought well, Nintendo's got to have a meeting room right here. And I I looked at the directory, and they said that Nintendo had a meeting room, but it seemed like they it seemed like it wasn't covered by any of the numbers. And so I, I kept walking down, and finally. It was way off. It was almost like in the bridge. It was in the bridge between the South and West Halls. There was a meeting room, or there was sort of a little inlet that was. I saw these people with, like with. I saw like a Nintendo sign, and I saw some. There were some people standing at a desk there, and I thought, okay, I better stay here clear. So I didn't. But I wasn't seen when I went there. I just. I think I passed, or no, I didn't even pass. I just. But then later on, when I made my second trip up there, of course, I looked back in IGN's booth, looked at Sony's a little bit. And I looked at Valve's, and then I went back to Nintendo's booth, and I, <clears throat> I didn't get this any of this on camera because I thought, um, I thought, <clears throat> I thought, well, that might be rude. I don't know how secretive these meeting rooms are. You know, it's only very spe- only a few badges are allowed to even go up there, and I just happened to have one. So I went up, and I, I, I actually went up to the desk, uh, and there, there, was, there were three women. There, I think probably from Golan Harris, and this is sort of funny because when I went, okay, I should preface this a little bit. When I went in, when I was at Nintendo's booth, they have at the front of the booth a sort of a a, a table with a bunch of people from Golan Harris. Now, Golan Harris is Nintendo's PR firm. 
they hire to do public relations stuff and they give you a PR, PR context. They usually arrange for you to get free stuff or I mean, for you to have test testing or with games and, and whatnot. They schedule interviews with Nintendo people at E3. They do that sort of thing and they help you try to make deadlines though. They depending on who you are. Uh, <clears throat> so when I went to Nintendo's booth, I had to sort out a few things with them. So I talked to them a bit and they were just not very nice. I mean, you could tell they were having a bad day, but I went up to this, these private meeting rooms and these three women, I mean, they, they were very nice. <laughs> and, you know, you think that they should be really the, the attack dogs because they're talking they're I guess they're guarding the secret meeting rooms. And I asked them, like, I mean, I was just asking them, I was like, so, like, these are, the, I guess these are like the super secret meeting rooms. And they said, they said, yeah, you know, they, they laughed. They you know, said, oh, yeah, I guess you could call them that. I said, so what, what sort of people do they, what sort of things do they do up here? And they said, well, you know, we're mostly doing interviews with the big guys and, you know, meetings between executives. And then I was saying, like, oh, no, that's really neat. So I'm like, so, you know, the executives would meet here. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just very, very nice. And so they said, well, do, do, is there anything else? And this is where I probably should have had more chutzpah. They said, oh, do you know, do you want, do you need anything else? I mean, I said, no, I think, I think I'm fine. Uh, and the reason I was, there actually was a reason I was up there. But anyways, I said, I think I'm fine. But I mean, I could have practically, I probably could have asked like, oh, hey, can I see Reggie? Because they were they were just so nice and just these people at Nintendo's booth, like at the actual booth, were so were so venomous and so so you know very on the attack. But these 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 three women were very nice and they were you know so I probably should have asked for something. <laughs> I said, "Hey, can I uh, yeah see Reggie?" Or I was just wondering if you happen to have a if you if you would if you wouldn't mind asking Satoru Iwata to pose for a photo with me or I didn't see them there I just I didn't see any of the executives there but actually part of the reason that I was I was there was that <clears throat> was that uh, Mike Damiani who I've mentioned I think twice now in this podcast TSA had mentioned to me that he's going to be I guess with his boss doing like a round table with it's just him Denise Kegler Reggie and I think, um, was it Cammy Dunaway? I think maybe that's who it was. So I thought, geez, the <laughs> lucky, lucky son of a gun. And I just, I thought, I was kind of looking around for him the entire time. I, I knew, I know what he looks like. And I've kind of, I was kind of looking around for him the entire E3. It was only one day. The chances of me seeing him were very low. Anyway, so I, at this point, I'm just, I've decided, okay, well, I've kind of done everything I wanted to do, um, played everything I wanted to play, or most of the stuff I wanted to play. Um, I feel feeling very fulfilled. I maybe I'll go, I'll leave now. But before I leave, I'll go to Nintendo's booth one more time, check the Phantom Hourglass line to see if, to see if uh, anything's interesting happening or <clears throat> what. I'll I'll see I'll see um, Mike some other time. Um, because I've actually never met him really. I've I've talked to him online and I, I've seen him in person. But this was by the time I when I saw him in person, it was before I had anything to do with the Hylia, so there was no reason that he should like care about who I was. So then I'm I'm on the way there, and I see some game trailers. Guys, this is actually where I see Daniel Kaiser, and I thought oh, maybe I should pal around kind of with these guys or follow them around. I didn't really they weren't really going anywhere, but I was kind of staying in that vicinity because maybe maybe uh, Mike Damiani would be there. Anyways, he wasn't, so I said okay, well I'll go back into the West Hall. 
So I did. I looked around the Phantom Hourglass stuff. No, anything interesting? No, no, one, no one's really playing. Uh, well, I wonder maybe if Wii Sports Resort has a shorter line. If it has a really short line, I'll play it again. No, it didn't have a short line, so I didn't bother. And then I'm on my way out, and I'm almost at the end of the West Hall. And actually, I look back because I saw... Um, I forget why I looked back. I looked back for some some really weird reason. <clears throat> and not really weird reason. I just, I just can't remember what it was. Oh, I forgot some other thing. Actually, when I went back there, there was one other thing I did. I looked at... Uh, there was a booth that I saw. There was a company called CTA Digital. And they're just like one of these... One of the most interesting experiences is going... Is these sort of things you don't plan. To go to these uh, companies that are just... They're nobody companies. They make these weird re- wee peripherals. They make the stuff that, frankly, you and I would call garbage. It's like the tennis racket extensions for the Wii, and it's like that sort of a thing. But one thing I was interested about, one thing that was interesting to me is that I was, now this is going to sound like I'm extremely xenophobic, but actually not really because I'm Jewish, so I have plausible deniability here. Uh, And I was in Nintendo's booth, and I was waiting for Phantom Hour to play uh, Spirit Tracks. Did Did I say Phantom Hourglass earlier? Maybe I did. So I was waiting to play, I was waiting to play Spirit Tracks, and I see this like Orthodox Jewish guy, or the difference being, like, you know, they're the ones that are very outwardly Jewish. They have the like the, the yarmulkes, the skull caps. They've got like the the pay, they had like the payas, the side curls. They're wearing the caftans, and I thought that was like just very interesting. Like, well, why is this guy here at E three? I mean, not there's nothing that says that they can't be here. You can't be here at E three. It's a Thursday, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I just thought that was interesting, and so I went back to this booth and I saw I passed this booth CTA, and I noticed it was like completely inhabited with Orthodox with Orthodox Jews, which I thought was very interesting. So, um, I went in and I was walking around and I see they had this like tripod for the DS and I saw this tripod and I actually have an interview with one of the, with one of their PR, uh, guys who was not, who was like probably the only non-Jewish guy in the entire booth as I have an interview with him and I haven't put it up and I really should put it up. His name was Frank. He was really cool. Um, their website, ctadigital.com. Um, and, they have this tripod for the DS and the point is actually only works for the DSi. The purpose of this tripod is so that you can stabilize your DS when taking photos. And this is one of these things you might think is a stupid peripheral, but I looked at this and I thought that is genius. And the reason is I'm always, you know, you're always trying, at least I am trying to film the DS, but it's so difficult without an emulator to film DS gameplay. I mean, there have been mods that have done it, but it's pretty difficult to do. I mean, it's easy to it's easy to capture Wii gameplay, just you know use the you know use a capture card. But it's so difficult with the DS and this tripod. I thought, okay, if you could have this tripod, have a dark room, and have a camera on a tripod, you could make a pretty decent video. That's not the purpose of this thing. But anyways, I talked to them about it and uh, I asked them about it. And they they almost didn't know like what it was like. What what tripod? It's like it, the ones right there. Uh, Anyway, so I managed to, I talked to them a little bit. They have kind of a Wii charge station, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I the most interesting thing to me was this tripod, and they had a few other things. They make they've been making cell phone batteries apparently for years now. This tripod, though, by far the most interesting thing. And uh, maybe I'll link maybe I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to just take a look at it because I know some of you guys even like to do gameplay videos uh, with your um, DS, though. Um, I'm not sure if it's available yet, but because they don't sell anything directly on their site, just through retailers. So I'll link you to that, um, to that, but it's very, it was a very good idea. So I, but I think one thing that's interesting is that these are one of these things where like, I almost feel like I'm getting like a scoop 
because it's just who's going to go to, into a booth completely full of like Orthodox Jews. I mean, that would just, I, I just, I could see why that, that would scare a lot of people. And I can, I can completely understand that. I just, it probably affects me less because I know I mean, my cousin is like that. And so it's just, um, it's just interesting, but, uh, I feel like I've gotten like a real exclusive scoop, perhaps based because of uh, other people's fears, but I, you know, I probably should put it up on Lithcast so that I can actually benefit a little bit from it. And also I promised, uh, Frank, the guy that I talked to that I would, I would put up the video, uh, of our interview. Cause I did interview him just on the spot because this, what's one thing about these small companies? I mean, there was, there was nobody else at this booth and I feel bad because it's first off, I just know as someone who's had family members who have exhibited not at E3 but at like Comdex, um, which no, I don't think exists anymore. But anyway, where you know you buy a booth space and it's expensive, especially to be in the West Hall. I mean that's not that's not that's not cheap space, and you've got to stay there the entire time, or somebody's got to be there the entire time. And these guys came out from New York, so they were far away. I mean, they were stuck there. If they were bored, I mean, that sucks for you because you're stuck there the entire time. Now, um, they also had to build their booth. I mean, it's just a pain. And when nobody shows up, it can be really discouraging. Um, so, so um, it's it was something I was glad to that I could maybe do a little something for, and uh, I'll have to put it up on Lithcast. So I sort of feel so I don't feel as bad. Um, but actually the tripod though, I do think is a genius idea. Of course, a, a modification so that you can hold your DS freehand and just have it capture via a capture card certainly is the ideal way. But if you want a very simple way to capture DS gameplay and do it in the dark, you can do that in the dark and then you can just uh, mount a camera on a tripod plus the DS on a tripod. If as long as you can keep your hands kind of steady and don't pick up the tripod, you can play relatively, you can probably play, uh, and have the camera capture it quite nicely. Uh, so that's um, my opinion. Although I think the best things are sort of those things you see like at a game stop, which they're sort of like braces and they kind of grab the DS and they don't let you move it because sometimes you have to resist the tendency to move around the game system. But I think a tripod would help a lot. <clears throat> and um, it only fits the DSi, by the way. Because, like I said, it was originally designed to stabilize the camera on the DSi. All right, so it seems like I'm getting a little long-winded here, but I just wanted to mention one other thing. Um, oh, sorry. So I was I was leaving the West Hall after. Was I have the order a little bit messed up here? But I was leaving. The, I was finally leaving the West Hall, and I turn around to see something. Maybe to look at GameStop's booth, or just to get a GameSpot's booth, or maybe just to get a good look at the West Hall again. And I turn around and. Bam, like right at my eye level. Well, a little lower. I see the name tag Michael Damiani GameTrailers.com. And I think, oh my God, it's TSI. So then he kinda of, he's kinda of walking past me. And so then I turn around and tap him on the shoulder and I say and I say, uh, oh, excuse me, are you are you TSA? And I I don't know why I just said I said TSA. He said he said he seems like yes. And then he's like he's like, Who are you? Who's like who are you? He was a little weirded out because he'd never really seen me before. So I showed him my badge. And then <laughs> the look on his face, like he's like, dude. And I just remember that. And he was saying that he was <clears throat> going uh, with game trailers to go shoot some footage of, uh, or no, they were doing some, oh, what's the word? It was just footage that they kind of use as like, um, 
as kind of boilerplate footage for when they're just kind of to have for videos as kind of filler. And then he was going to go do something else. And he said, you know, I said, Oh, if you want, if you want to follow me though, we, I, we, you can, you can kind of tag along. And I, I, I don't know. I, at that point I was like, I just want to leave. So I said, no, but I, I probably, sh- I should have said yes, because I, it would have been cool just to tag along with, with, uh, with TSA. I, t- I talked to him for a sec saying like, well, have you played fan? Hourglass? I mean, tw- I mean, spirit tracks. He's like, no, I said, well, it's pretty good. Blah, blah, blah. Long line definitely was long, but right now at that particular time, it was pretty short. So, you know, just exchange, uh, niceties. And, uh, that's kind of how it went. So, that was interesting. It was nice to meet uh, Mike Damiani. Uh, certainly one of the highlights of my E3 <clears throat> to meet a to meet a living legend, really. Uh, and um, so it was a, all in all a very fun E3, I must say. Um, if any of you will ever get the opportunity to go to E3, uh, I would highly encourage it. It's not it's not as hard, I think, as it was. Uh, in 2006, they made it slightly easier. Still, it's not that easy to go. But if you're somebody that's like, into all this stuff, it's just such a cool experience that I, I just encourage any of you that just love video games to go to E3 or go to something like. I mean, a lot of people like PAX. Um, it's just a. I have never been to PAX, but I would just say that the entire. Um, it's almost. It's like a, it's like a world unto itself at one of these conventions and it's really quite a nice place to be so i also wanted just to mention uh of course e3 was e3 was just terrific so i will just say that much thank you very much esa for putting on e3 e3 and making it really what it was uh very you know very similar to what it was back in the old days and then also thank you for to nintendo of course for finally acknowledging maybe the hardcore gamer a little bit more um but there were a few things i also wanted to mention the first one i wanted to mention was heart gold and soul silver but then there was actually another announcement that i it's not an announcement but it's sort of something i would i thought i would bring up and it was that um nintendo now in the united states has a service called club nintendo and this is a service that's existed in europe and has existed in japan uh for several years uh, though i think anyone in europe would tell you that it's kind of a dumb service in Europe and anyone in Japan would probably tell you oh it's great Nintendo gives us gold toilet seats all the time every day oh we've got... I remember on, on on Christmas they actually sent a real Santa Claus dressed in Wii Fit attire to every single or dressed like dressed like Mario to every single club Nintendo member's home they probably spent three billion dollars on this on this prize that's how the Japanese one is and so certainly when I when they first revealed the club Nintendo I looked at it as a step in the right direction because it really it is it often is giving prizes and rewarding fans uh, that are more dedicated to Nintendo than those who aren't. So I looked at it as a step in the right direction, but of course it still remained to be seen uh, how good Club Nintendo is ultimately going to be, and that's we're getting closer to the point where we can sort of evaluate it. Because I'll be honest with you, the prizes that they're giving out right now, I haven't spent any any coins but basically here's how it worked is that um on june 30th is sort of like the end of the club nintendo year you can call it a fiscal year i guess and basically over the over the course of the uh, year you're collecting coins and then there are different statuses at club nintendo there's like a, there's a sort of this general thing called elite status but then there's gold and then there's 
Um, then there's platinum, and I managed to reach platinum. And it's basically just getting a certain number of coins within a year. But at June 30th, your 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 status resets. You still have your coins, but your status resets. And so what I did is I just had a whole bunch of surveys on hold, and I'm like, okay, well, forget it. I already reached platinum. I'm not going to fill out these surveys until after June 30th. Well, now we're out, and it's after June 30th. And Nintendo sent me an email, and then anyone who's a Club Nintendo member would get this. And they sent this to me eight days ago, and they said... <clears throat> Congratulations, you reached gold or platinum status by the deadline of June 30th, 2009. Thank you for being a Nintendo fan and for providing feedback on products at Club Nintendo. We're finalizing details on our gold and platinum special rewards, and we'll have an announcement within the next month. Within the, when the announcement's made, you will receive an email requesting that you log into your Club Nintendo account in order to redeem your special reward. If you're a member of, the Club, of a Club Nintendo family account, your account administrator will need to accept this special reward. We will then distribute rewards before the end of the calendar year. Thank you again. So these are sometimes the these are sort of the times when we see the really cool gifts come out in Japan. So I'm this is the sort of these year end things that you, that you're not spending your coins on. These are just things that you just get for for being a member. And this is I think what's going to be the determining factor of what what people think of Club Nintendo USA or Club Nintendo North America. So I'll be interested in seeing what they're going to offer. Um, and they say by the end of the year is when you'll have it. We don't know when they're going to reveal it, but um, but uh, there's that. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to mention. Another thing to mention, because I'll, I'll mention it because I posted it up at the Hylia because it's really the only piece of Zelda news, and it is sort of interesting and sort of important. Um, actually, there are two pieces I forgot. I haven't done this show since before E3 um, they have Nintendo revealed at a and this happens actually to be honest I kind of expected this uh, I didn't say this I'm not, I didn't have the opportunity to say this upon a podcast and I can't I'm not saying I had any advanced information however um, that's not what I'm saying however somebody asked me oh Daniel they didn't reveal a new Zelda at E3 and I said well let's consider Super Smash Brothers Brawl they revealed that at a private press gathering that same night. And sure enough, I'm not saying if I knew had any private previous insight, they, that night, they revealed, they showed off to a select few uh, press people a concept art for, for the next version of Zelda, for the Wii. And it's been announced, you know, that this is going to be utilizing the higher graphical power of the Wii because it won't be made for the GameCube. It's going to use Wii Motion Plus. They revealed this concept art, and I think Nintendo World Report leaked it, but it was a very tiny image, but it wasn't really, really wasn't cool because Nintendo said no cameras. Although maybe it was cool because eventually they said, oh, well, forget it. We're just going to reveal the concept art. So right now if you go to the Hylia.com, I think it's the only place I've yet to see, I've, I've seen that has the big concept art but in full size, but um, you can you can see it. It's a, it's a huge image. And uh, it was revealed, and uh, it was—it's kind of interesting. It's—it's it's, you know you'd have to see it. You couldn't really get it from my description, but people have speculated. You see Link in this in in it. He's done much in the same art style as Twilight Princess. He doesn't have a sword, but he's kind of got this little this woman or female character standing in front of him that people think kind of looks like the Master Sword, but he only has a shield in this game. It seems and then. <clears throat> Just recently, in the most recent issue of Nintendo Power, um, re- uh, they had interviewed Miyamoto, and they asked him... <clears throat> sorry, this cough is catching up with me a little bit. 
they were interviewing Miyamoto and they had asked him, well, okay, so is this having, they said, uh, let me go. I actually have the entire, the entire interview text of the Zelda portion anyway is up at uh, the Um, but it said, so now we've heard a lot of people under, I guess I'll read it. Now I've heard, we've heard a lot from a lot of people who are under the impression that the next console Zelda game is going to be something radically different from what we've seen in the past. Is this the case? And I should just warn you, by the way, this answer is so convoluted that I'm not sure if I understand it. But maybe this, after the second read-through, maybe I will. They said, no, I don't... This The beginning is easy. No, I don't think it's going to be radically different. Accessible gameplay, something that we're going to look at focusing within that 3D realm is really highlighting the things that are important within the Zelda franchises, the actions that Link can take. I think it's easy to maybe overthink it because you're in that 3D realm of all the different things you should be doing or try to be doing and really what's important to understand is what's available to you and just focus on what's best suited for that that rather than just trying to implement a whole bunch of different things (coughs) so I don't know if you guys understood that I think I understand it a little better after reading it a second time but you know it's a podcast you can just you can of course read it or you can just backtrack on the audio then Nintendo Power says, the artwork that you showed for the upcoming Wii Zelda title seemed a lot like the art for Twilight Princess. Are you going to carry over Twilight Princess's art style? Miyamoto says, I don't think it's going to change dramatically. We're doing it on the Wii console. That being said, we can look into Twilight Princess. It was built to run on both GameCube and Wii. This one will be running only on Wii. So I think there will be differences inherent in the fact that it's only on this platform. Nintendo Power And of course, everyone wants to know exactly who that female character is in the illustration. Miyamoto says, Yeah, that's probably the most important part of the artwork. I really can't talk too much about it. One thing that's important to note in that artwork, though, is that Link is carrying a shield, but that's all he's carrying. Which leads me to think, well, maybe Link can't fight now. Whatever. Um, And he said, Now, before you showed the image, you talked about wanting everybody to have a unique personal memories of their adventures in Hyrule. Um... Is this something that you're actually trying to implement in the game? Or a personalized Zelda for every player? I have a certain take on this, by the way. His answer is, every person's own individual experiences with the game should be unique and be their own sort of my Zelda experience. And I think that's super important. And I think we have to look at that when we're co- when we're creating dungeons and how we can make that come true. So can I just stop here and say, maybe that means you'll be playing as your me in Zelda. No, hope not. So, spending a lot of time concentrating our efforts in that area. But it's not going to become an individual, Hi, I'm I'm this Zelda, or I'm this Zelda, or I'm this Link, or whatever. The experience will be unique, but within within this world that we've defined. So, whatever. You can read that all at the Hylia, but that was just the Zelda bit of of, uh, the interview. I thought that was interesting. Um... I also wanted to talk a little bit about Heart Gold and Soul Silver. It wasn't. This isn't going to affect many of you. I know we do have some Japanese listeners, um, but the vast majority, of course, of the of the uh, things we talk about um, here on Lithcast mostly pertain to the uh, U.S. market, and so I. But you know what, most. I know we have some Japanese listeners, but I think this is still very telling. I think it's a good thing to know. Um, 
Pokemon Heart Gold and Pokemon Soul Silver, the remakes of Pokemon Gold and Silver, have been dated for Japan. And uh, so, let's see here. Um, and of course, they also now have a a trailer which I will play for you. But it's going to be released in Japan September 12th, 2009. So it is um, interesting. That's good. I mean, one, one thing I'll say about Pokemon Gold, I think Pokemon Gold is probably, and Silver, were probably my two favorite uh, games and um, as in the Pokemon franchise. Just, it was great. You can go between worlds. I mean, there are features in these games that like Diamond and Pearl don't even have. And these were games originally on the Game Boy Color. So I... Just think that Pokemon Heart, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Heart Gold and Soul Silver are the remakes I am looking forward to most. I mean, if they ever remake Ruby and Sapphire, I really did like Ruby and Sapphire as well. But uh, certainly, uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver are remakes I am more than looking forward to. And the one other nice thing about Heart Gold and Soul Silver is that they are starting to incorporate a little bit more 3D in the game, even though it's for the D, you know, because for the DS. And we know that the DS is capable of this 3D, but it's just we so rarely see it incorporated that. Um, I'm always a little bit annoyed because it's like okay, the DS is capable of it. I know you guys have had sort somewhat of a negative experience using doing 3D on the GameCube with the Pokemon franchise, but you did a very good job with Pokemon Stadium. And actually, to be honest, I actually liked the ones at the GameCube. Um, why not incorporate more of it since we know the DS can do it? And I think they're getting a little bit more of it in Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. I think Pokemon Heart Pokemon Gold and Silver had some of the best music. There was there was so much to love about Gold and Silver. Um, they were just kind of the right number of characters. There, were, they weren't, there weren't too many. I mean, after a point, it's getting a little bit ridiculous some, in a way with some of these characters. Anyway, uh, I wanted to play for you some of these trailers. Uh, I don't know why, because they're in, not only can, will you not be able to see them, you also won't be able to understand them because they're all in Japanese. But that's never stopped me before. Okay, so they're talking about the release date. Panning through various parts of Joko, Lugia and Ho done in 3D. Team Rocket, of course, is the villain in this game. No Magma, or no Galactic, no Aqua. Two very nice uh, cutscenes there, Some nice gym battle. Yeah, this is another trailer, actually. They're showing off a device that comes with the And apparently your Pokemon live sort of on this device and you transfer them over. I'm not sure, we're not sure if this device will make its way to the US, but maybe. And it's, a, it's actually a step counter. And as you walk, it seems like you're almost level up. It seems like. ハートゴールド、ソウルシルバー予約受付中。
Yes. Well, anyway, you get the idea. Um, so that, that's the trailer. Um, nothing I think I should probably mention. That's I'm very excited for that game, but nothing I, I feel I also should mention because it's already like 11 o'clock here, and so I feel I'm going to have to finish this podcast. We're already at an hour 47 minutes. That's like the old days. Uh, another thing I thought I would mention is the... <clears throat> Uh, the Conduit now is out. It's a first-person shooter game from High Voltage Software. I talked a little bit about it earlier. It's been getting pretty good reviews, though. I think a lot of people would say, though, that if you've played Halo and if you've played most of these other shooters, you're not going to see much that's really, really new for The Conduit, except maybe a large a large variety of weapons and maybe some pretty decent online play for the Wii. But if you've been playing Halo online, you probably won't get too much out of it. I haven't played The Conduit um, outside of E3, and um, so... I didn't get to play much of it at E3, and so I I just returned the game to Gamefly, and if Gamefly blesses me with the conduit, well, then I will have played it probably by the next podcast. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Anyway, Lithcast listeners, uh, this has been a lot of fun doing the podcast. It's so great to be back with you all. Um, just to recap, we talked, we talked a little about E3, talked about Heart Gold being dated, Soul Silver. Uh, the conduit a little bit talked about that tripod cta makes talked about some of the concept art for zelda talked about muramasa um various other things uh it's been a lot of fun for me if you want to email the podcast with questions send an email to daniel at lithcast.com that's daniel at l-i-t-h-c-a-s-t.com you can also check out uh lithcast's forums lithcast.com slash forums or just go to lithcast.com click the forums button over at the right and also if you want to join the folding team it's basically you can donate your computer's idle cycles uh to help and help the uh, further research of various diseases um various cancers and such uh go to folding.stanford.edu download the gui tech screensaver ps or ps3 client and type in the team number 45501 when prompted again that's 45501 when prompted <clears throat> if you want to follow me on twitter because i guess that's something i should probably start giving out now uh, you can, it's twitter.com slash ds cubed that's twitter.com slash d-s-c-u-b-e-d um so anyway lithcast listeners this has been a lot of fun as i as i have mentioned several times already um uh, it looks like a a brighter day for Nintendo fans, at least in my opinion. And you know what? Heck, for video games in general, um, other companies have not exactly been slouching. Um, so, Lithcast listeners, it's been it's been it's been nice knowing you. No, I'm just kidding. It's been nice seeing you, and uh, I will see you again at the le- next Lithcast, which will probably be our birthday edition, episode fifty-one, and maybe we'll have some contest stuff.